Hello everyone, my name is Mivzal Malik from Astro Radio News and uh, today I've got a very special guest here in the studio. He goes by the name of Muslim Imran, born and raised in Palestine while living in Malaysia for the past, how many years was that? 20 years. 20 years, mashallah. He is just as Malaysian as me, I would say. <laughs> the reason why I've got Muslim here is given the current developments in the world, uh, between Palestine and Israel. And um, Muslim is the director of the Asia Middle East Center for Research and Dialogue, or AMEC. Uh, Muslim, can you, in layman terms, can you tell listeners what exactly is this AMEC? Okay, uh, thank you so much for having me, Mavzal, and um, I wish you and the listeners uh, a very good day. Uh, AMIC is a research center, a think tank. We try to um, understand ongoing international developments um, related to uh, the political, economic, uh, socio-political, socio-economic dimensions uh, of both Asia and the Middle East. So we work closely with uh, um, decision makers, academics, uh, NGOs, activists, trying to um, understand issues and um, provide uh, a good insight into problems um, and uh, their solutions. This is what we uh, basically do. And our center is uh, based in Kuala Lumpur. So uh, we try to uh, give some insights into what's going on in the Middle East uh, to uh, uh, decision makers, parliamentarians, activists, academics, and uh, in the interested public here in Malaysia. So how, how long have you been doing this with AMEC? AMEC is a new think tank. We started about uh -huh. a year and a half ago. Um, we were uh, uh, honored to uh, have the launching in uh, October 2022, and the current uh, president of the Senate, uh, Tansri Wanjunaidi, was there to officiate our center. Mm. Our advisor is uh, uh, Tansri Sadhamid Bar, the former foreign minister. So you see that we take uh, an interest in uh, foreign policy and international affairs in general. Uh, so it's still a new think tank, but I personally have been involved in uh, pro-Palestine NGOs for the past uh, decade or decade and a half in Malaysia. MashaAllah. So Muslim, uh, he lives in Malaysia and his aim is to tell his story about life in Palestine and his journey to fight for to free his country from the grasps of Zionists. Well, very dramatic, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get straight into it, uh, Muslim. Um, this has been going on for decades. I think most people know that, but people don't know the exact details of how it is in Gaza. You know, the unimaginable levels of death, destruction, the suffering. So to those who only have a vague visual of everything, right? Since you have been to Gaza yourself, can you describe for us what is it like living there like as an average palestinian what do you go through every day do you feel safe in your house or is there's a fear come when you leave your house or what is it like okay i have to say that the palestinian issue is uh, a very simple issue okay. yet there are a lot of details mm. um, some of course who try to uh, paint it as a complicated uh, complex issue uh, are trying to scare the public from showing uh, solidarity with palestine and this happens a lot, unfortunately, in uh, the West and in Western media. But it's a very simple uh, case of settler colonial occupation. 
We have been living in Palestine for thousands of years. Uh, then eventually um, the, the uh, Zionist um, settlers came to Palestine with an agenda, with an expansionist extremist ideology called Zionism. They started stealing our land, started killing our people, started uh, building their own settlements, changing the identity of our uh, country, and eventually, uh, and unfortunately, they succeeded in creating the state of Israel and forcing out the Palestinians. So since this uh, occupation started some 75 years ago, all the way until today, the Palestinians have been subject to all sorts of uh, mistreatment, torture, with one single goal in the minds of the Zionist leaders, to wipe out the Palestinian existence from Palestine. There is a model, you know, for settler colonial occupation, there are precedents. We are not the first case, but thankfully we are uh, still surviving. There are precedents, for instance, North America, mm -hmm. the white European colonial uh, settlers came to North America they uh, claimed that the aboriginal people are red Indians. They were neither red nor Indians. Mm -hmm. They killed thousands, millions of them. They stole their land and they created their own nations uh, and nation states over there. The same happened in Australia. Uh, a similar situation was about to happen in South Africa, but they were outnumbered by the black Africans and they were unable, these settler uh, colonial uh, 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 occupiers were unable to wipe out the African uh, population of South Africa. Eventually, the Africans took over what is theirs. In Palestine, the European settler colonial uh, um, you know, occupiers were unable to finish the Palestinians. So instead, they resorted to policies of apartheid. Um, for the last few decades, Palestinians in Gaza, for instance, have been isolated from the world. Palestinians in the West Bank, where I come from, yeah. uh, have been subject to all sorts of apartheid policies, meaning to say uh, two different sets of laws for two different peoples. The Jewish uh, settlers in the West Bank have their own civil laws. The Palestinians who have been living in the West Bank for thousands of years are subject to military law. So if you commit the same offense, it depends on your religion, actually, how do you uh, go to trial and uh, court. So in so it's complete luck, actually. Uh, it's, um, in a way, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say luck, it's by design. Israel has designed this system, a very unfair system. So for the Palestinians inside Palestine, it's about surviving. It's about survival in a very unfair system that is designed by settler colonials, and is designed to uh, be maintained. Uh, but this is why resistance becomes very important. Palestinians yeah. don't want this system to continue to perpetuate. It's a very unfair system. Of course, of course, yeah. You obviously know people in Gaza. You have contacts there, right? Um, what's the last you've heard from them? What is the situation like for them over there? Honestly, the news that we hear from Gaza yeah. are uh, sad. Yeah. Of course, there are some positive developments. Um, for instance, the Palestinian uh, resistance is standing its grounds. Israel is unable to achieve any of its major goals in Gaza. But personally, the news that I've been hearing are very sad. I've lost many friends in yeah. this uh, war. My friends who are from Gaza, who live here in Malaysia, have lost, lost family members. Um, when the war started, 
two days after the war started, one of our colleagues who was with us in Amec um, was killed along with 20 family members. Uh, the late Dr. Muhammad Jamil, he completed his PhD here in Malaysia, mm-hmm. went back home in September, October he was killed. Oh, A few days ago, another colleague who did his uh, education in um, University of Malaya, and then later did his PhD in University of uh, University Kabangsan, was also killed along with more than 50 members of his family. So you can imagine the feelings of Palestinians, uh, especially those on the ground. After hearing a lot of uh, these sad news, mm-hmm. in a way you you become numb, you know? Yeah. I mean, you cry after the first sad news. Then You get desensitized. Then, yeah, it, it keeps on happening. However, with the, as we say in Arabic, with every uh, uh, difficulty comes uh, patience. Yes, that's true. Uh, but we we have to overcome this in Palestine. Uh, we face all sorts of uh, injustices, mm. oppression by the Israeli occupiers. Uh, but we have to overcome it in order to live a happy, peaceful life after uh, the end of the, this occupation. If uh, if we accept. Um, and surrender, it's not going to be better. Obviously, you have to fight for your right. Yeah, everyone has to do that. And uh, speaking of which, um, what are the most pressing concerns for the people in Gaza right now in terms of humanitarian assistance? How can the international community outside of Palestine help you all out right now? Um, of course, the the best solution will be to end occupation. Yeah. But uh, since that, that will be the ideal situation, yeah. yeah. Since that's not happening, at least um, the international community should address the ongoing um, uh, suffering and injustice in in Gaza right now. Um, there are thousands still under the rubble of uh, uh, you know their houses. Yeah, the Israeli air unreported force, deaths. You know, uh, thousands of them. Um, there are of course thousands of deaths that uh, mm. uh, you know n- need the b- burial. Mm. Um, mourning. The Palestinians are unable to mourn the deaths. You, you see how unfair this uh, situation is. Uh, they lose hundreds or thousands every day and sometimes they are unable to even bury them. In many cases they were unable to even recognize who is this uh, yeah, due to the condition of the, of, the, of the body and everything. Yeah, when, when Israel drops a one ton or two ton uh, bomb on uh, a residential building, um, I, you, you don't expect to get all bodies uh, intact. Yeah. In many cases, bodies just disappear. Have you seen it for yourself? I I was, uh, I would say, I was unfortunate to see uh, such a situation when I was uh, four years old or five years old. You saw an explosion the, the, the at four years old. There was an Israeli uh, attack on uh, some Palestinian activists in our neighborhood yeah. um, in the early 90s um, where they shot dead um, and of course dropped bombs on uh, three Palestinian activists who, who all were killed. I remember after the Israeli military um, uh, killed them they retrieved, they, they took their uh, bodies. Usually Israel does that. They they will take the bodies yeah, as well. Especially if these are activists. They will kill and take the bodies and keep them in prison. They keep uh, dead bodies keep in prison? They keep dead bodies in their own uh, prison morgues. Which, which is For what? <laughs> which is 
disgusting. But that's yeah. what Israel does. There are hundreds of Palestinian uh, dead bodies in Israeli prisons right now. So anyway, um, one of them, they, they took the body, but his brain was left. Oh my God! I saw that. Uh, you saw? You can never unsee w- in this kind of uh, incident. Yeah. So so my cousin carried the 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 brain uh the they had to do a burial for that they they dug a small grave in in that uh, neighborhood and uh it was uh, a very tormenting experience you know that was more than 30 33 years ago and i still remember and it, it. and it's still fresh in your head very fresh that was one incident that i saw but there were there were other experiences uh, another friend for instance uh, who was killed in about the year 2001 mm. uh, that's some 2022 years ago uh, th- th- only l- some body parts were left from his body and we had to carry him in in his janaza in mm. in the you know procession and the funeral uh, it's just hard to to describe it's, it's impossible to describe this kind of uh, I want to say I can imagine but honestly I can't because you don't yeah. want to imagine I mean yeah. <laughs> but you look at now at social media you'll see a lot of yeah, this yeah they happening. they show all these you know visual in very a images. very uh, high frequency I mean the incidents I mentioned yeah. used to happen once every few years um in, in my personal case but of course for the Palestinian people as uh, a whole it happens daily every day yeah. but in Gaza now it's happening on daily basis all over the Gaza strip um children witness this uh, the world is witnessing this which makes it um, uh, worse everybody is watching genocide live on TV and uh, many who are in position of power who are able to change this are doing nothing i will get to that muslim uh but for now um i just want to ask you this has been going on for 75 years and for the longest time a lot of countries including malaysia has been very vocal about you know support and sending humanitarian assistance and yet things haven't changed i i even dare say that things have gotten worse is it fair for me to say that a large portion of the donations that we have sent did not reach the victims there i wouldn't say that no, i think malaysian contribution uh, humanitarian aid that is sent by malaysian uh, government ngos uh, individuals reaches palestine but the size of destruction the size of israeli um, uh, atrocities is so huge that uh, whatever you send uh, is still not enough um the estimates now say that more than 50,000 homes were completely destroyed more than 200,000 homes were partially destroyed more than 70 mosques were completely destroyed three churches were destroyed uh more than 10 hospitals were destroyed so even if you send 100 million or 200 million it's not enough it's, it's still a drop in a big sea so uh, we appreciate every Uh, sent that is sent to help the Palestinians but honestly the size of the uh, Israeli atrocities is so huge that we have to do more and uh, everything counts every penny counts you see the Palestinian uh, uh, people used to resist Israel with stones the young kids used to throw yeah. stones and at Israeli tanks 
when um, they got more aid and more support, they now use better equipment to resist occupation, and it's working. Uh, although Israel kills civilians, but militarily Israel is unable to defeat us. So whatever aid that is sent to the people, every penny uplifts helps. their steadfastness. Yeah. Okay, what about the IOC and the UN? How do you think they can or should use their influence to try and find a resolution to this conflict? I think international in institutions uh, that have no uh, enforcement uh, agencies are unable to resolve the conflict. They, we have to acknowledge that. The United Nations, for instance, is an international institution that uh, uh, arbitrates and uh, that provides a platform for deliberation. But it doesn't. it's not um, an uh, enforcement agency. They don't have their own army to go and enforce things. Even if they had it, uh, the balance of power globally and within this institution is tilted towards the Israeli side. So it will not resolve the conflict. You know, there have been so many resolutions by the United Nations Security Council favoring the Palestinians, calling for the establishment of a Palestinian state, calling Israel to end its atrocities and occupation, but none were implemented. So I would count more on uh, individual nation states, on uh, uh, the will of the Palestinian people than international institutions. However, these inst international institutions still have to try uh, whatever they can. I'm actually curious myself, Muslim. Um, obviously, the UN, as you said, they spoke about it um, and they take their side and whatnot. But honestly, with the power that they have, th which is the reason they're up there, have they done enough? And why haven't they taken any real impactful action with what's happening? You see, from one side, the UN was one of the causes of our misery. The partition plan which was devised in 1947 by the United Nations created the State of Israel. It provided a legal framework for Israel's occupation to start. So um, it's not always um, able to solve problems. Sometimes it ca causes more problems. However, um, they still are striving to provide solutions to international crises. And in the case of uh, Palestine, whatever the United Nations uh, has tried, it was always undermined by the United States. That is very unfortunate. The United States uses this and other international institutions um, um, to serve their own interests. When, for instance, the United Nations doesn't agree with their occupation of other nations, they completely abandon it, like what happened in Iraq 2003. They just went on and occupied uh, Iraq. Although everybody was telling them that you cannot do it, the UN was telling them you cannot do it, they carried on. In the case of Palestine, uh, the United Nations has provided a lot of resolutions demanding Israel to give the Palestinians their rights. Mm. But the US has always vetoed these resolutions or has provided Israel the cover not to uh, implement any of these uh, resolutions. So there are uh, structural problems within the UN, but there are also uh, problems from uh, outside. The main you know, problem is the lack of American interest to have uh, a fair uh, you know, rules-based order. They talk a lot about it, but they only pick the rules that suit them. So there's a lot of third-party interest that gets in the way of actually 
you know, solving this problem. Yes, of course. If it was left for the Palestinians and Israelis alone, things would have been resolved long ago. This Israeli-Palestinian situation is one of the world's longest-running and most complex conflicts. Um, so, obviously, it would be a bit premature to expect a solution from these two sides anytime soon. But if we look at the bigger picture, Muslim, um, what are your hopes for a peaceful and long-term resolution? Any solution that does not address the ongoing injustice won't work. Uh, you see, the international community has tried uh, to impose solutions on the Palestinian people and on the Israelis as well, uh, but they have not been uh, equally enforcing. They always push the Palestinians. They never push the Israelis. Uh, but none of these solutions has uh, resulted in uh, justice and peace. The root cause of the whole problem was Nakba. Nakba is the ethnic cleansing that took place in 1947-1948. The Palestinians were uprooted from their homeland. 750,000 were forced out of Palestine. They became refugees. Their numbers now are uh, more than 6 or 7 million refugees. They have to go back to solve the problem. The Israeli regime was created in 1948, and they continue to expand their dominance uh, they occupied the West Bank and Gaza in 1967. They continue to attack, for instance, Syria, Lebanon, uh, Iraq. A few w- weeks ago, they even bombed Iraq. So this expansionist settler colonial regime um, ha- has to be dismantled. In my, in my personal uh, view, yeah. that's the only way out. If there is an apartheid uh, rogue regime uh, that is maintaining a fascist ideology, and is committing atrocities not only in the place it occupies but all over the world, the only way out is to dismantle that apartheid regime. And this is not a radical view. This is what uh, any fair-minded person will say because look at apartheid South Africa. Um, It continued for decades. So we have to fight fire with fire, is that what you're saying? Uh, Yeah, or with water. I mean, you you dismantle uh, (laughs) their uh, their, uh, uh, regime. Uh, does not have to be through uh, bloodshed. You know, some people Mm. think that the only way out is um, to bomb the hell out of Israel, and that's it. It's not as simple as that. Israel is a regime. It's a political regime. Um, So if when there is a political regime that has gone astray, you have to fix it or dismantle it and build up something else. Um, And this is not very radical because it's happening in our contemporary times. You remember the Soviet Union? Yeah. Um, it's not there anymore. It was. It, it was. It collapsed. It was dismantled in a way. Yugoslavia. It's not there anymore. Uh, apartheid South Africa doesn't also have to be uh, fragmentation always. Apartheid South Africa. The entity is not there anymore. So Israel, as a political regime, maintaining oppression should be dismantled. Um, this will provide peace and justice. Palestinian refugees have to go back to their homeland. A Palestinian, um, uh, you know, uh, suffering and plight has to be addressed. People should not continue to live in an open-air prison in a concentration camp like Gaza. They should have access to the world. They should have the right, the basic rights to live. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you continue to isolate the Palestinians into small cantons, Gaza is separated from the world. The West Bank is not any better, by the way. Uh, People think that uh, the... Siege on the Palestinians is only in Gaza, mm. but in the West Bank, the Palestinians are isolated into small um, 
Bantustan like uh, entities. There is a small residential area in Hebron, isolated from Bethlehem, isolated from Jerusalem, isolated from Ramallah. If you want to travel from Hebron to Ramallah, a few hundred kilometers, you have to pass through so many checkpoints. Um, you have to be searched. You have to sometimes apply for a permit, a travel permit. Imagine going from, uh, uh, you know, um, Bukit Jalil to KLCC yeah. and passing through four or five military checkpoints where they search you, where they check your documents, uh, where sometimes they, uh, you know, uh, strip search you. Th- too much. That's too much. So even the solution has a lot of red tape. Um, Israel is not interested in a solution. The we are interested in a solution. This is even even your solution has a lot of red tape. Um, the best way out is again to dismantle this um, apartheid military regime. Israel is an apartheid colonial military regime. It's run by the military. It's uh, designed by the military. The Israeli society is very militarized. Mm. They have to serve in the army. It's a, it's a, a conscript is, is is mandatory in Israel. Almost every citizen is a soldier. So the thinking, the uh, performance, it's all very military uh, re- related. They worship their army, and that's wrong. That's that that sounds like Nazi Germany. Yeah. Um, Almost exactly In this contemporary age This should not exist Okay we're getting down to the okay. To the real yeah. question It's very serious eh? <laughs> <laughs> Okay I want to I want to refer to an interview mm. Conducted by Fox News mm. This was posted on um, The Israeli Prime Minister's Twitter Or X now So I quote him He says that he will not stop What he's doing Until Hamas is eradicated and he will make sure all civilians are evacuated safely but everything that we are seeing from Gaza shows the exact opposite so my question to you is what is the PR game that Netanyahu is playing and is it working um, I have to note number one that Fox News along with many mainstream yeah. American uh, media outlets are very unfair in their coverage of uh, yeah. the situation in Gaza. So Netanyahu and Israeli decision makers get a lot of access. They get plenty of interviews. Yeah. How many interviews did Fox News give to Hamas, for instance, to express I their views or to Palestinian see. leaders? Very uh, unlikely to have them on, on Fox News uh, or um, Western media in general. Mm. Uh, although there is a huge pressure from the grassroots, from the people in the streets, from the half a million uh, people who demonstrated in London, for instance, or the 300,000 who demonstrated in Washington, there's a huge pressure on this Western uh, mainstream media to change, to uh, open up and to give a fair uh, coverage of the ongoing developments. So that's number one. Uh, number two, Netanyahu is finished politically. He is as desperate as any uh, failed leader. He was the Prime Minister when the 7th of October happened. The 7th of October was one of the uh, most significant strategic defeats for Israel. Mm. Intelligence-wise, military-wise, media propaganda-wise, Israel has been defeated on that day um, strategically, and it's very difficult to undo that. So he was the Prime Minister. He should have taken responsibility and resigned in any proper democracy. They claim to be a democracy, but Israel is not. Um, number three, uh, Netanyahu again is is desperate and has to continue, um, uh, you know, evading accountability. How to do that? 
by continuing an ongoing genocide campaign in Gaza. And now, of course, the, the, it's not only Netanyahu, it's the Israeli political elite that is looking for um, expansion. Uh, they want to ev evacuate Gaza so that it becomes uh, a part of their uh, greater Israel. They want to do the same to the West Bank. Why has Israel's national security minister authorized the distribution of 35,000 arms to illegal Israeli settlers in the West Bank over the last two months in order to evacuate the West Bank, in order to empty the West Bank from Palestinian residents. So when Netanyahu talks about Palestinians going out of Gaza for safety, we know this game. This happened in 1947-1948. The Israelis asked the Palestinians to leave and they are never back 75 years later. If Gazans leave Gaza, it's, it's game over. It means that they will never come back to their homes. Yeah. So listening to Netanyahu um, uh, will be a big mistake, and everybody knows that in Palestine. Um, but again, um, he can continue his military campaign in Gaza. does not guarantee him victory. He wants to finish Hamas. Uh, show us how you're going to finish Hamas. He's been fighting for two months. Um, Israel has been unable to achieve any of its strategic goals. They wanted to liberate their own captives by military force. They couldn't even take one by military force. They had to come to a, a ceasefire and a prisoner uh, swap deal. Some people only look at the, the number of casualties, but in a war, you have to look at other factors. I studied, for instance, the history of uh, national liberation uh, uh, you know, of several countries. One of them is Indonesia. Mm -hmm. In the Battle of Surabaya, 20,000 Indonesians were killed. 20,000 shaheed. Uh, the British and the Dutch won militarily, if, if you wish to say. But politically, they were defeated. And colonization ended eventually in uh, Indonesia. Indonesia became a free country. The same is happening now in Gaza. They are killing a lot of civilians because they are unable to defeat the resistance. They want to make sure that um, Palestinians suffer as much as possible. But that does not guarantee Israel a military victory on the ground in Gaza. Its soldiers are hiding in tanks. Palestinian fighters are coming after them, chasing them out of every street and uh, neighborhood. So uh, what Netanyahu is doing is very desperate and it's not going to guarantee him a victory. And it's go not going to secure his job. After this war is over, Netanyahu is, is going to be out. We're reaching the end of a four-day ceasefire right now. I think this is the third day. Uh, and uh, several Palestinians have reportedly been released, um, as well as Hamas releasing their set of uh, Israelis. But uh, I want to cite Al Jazeera right now. There are still reports of deaths among Palestinians, despite the four-day ceasefire. Either way, the, the, the deal of a ceasefire is still good news, but it's just a temporary ceasefire. And it's a given that the conflict will resume after. So. What difference will this action make looking into the future of this war? Um, okay, it's important to um, note that this ceasefire, this truce, it's a short-term truce, um, is a victory, a military victory for the Palestinian resistance because mm. Israel was not interested in any ceasefire. We, we all remember that Netanyahu yeah. and his government were very clear that we are going to continue to bomb Gaza until we win. They had to stop. Why did they stop? They stopped because the bombing of Gaza and the ground invasion are not yielding any results. 
and they have pressure mounting in Israel from the families of the Israeli captives in Gaza, calling the government to actually release their kids uh, who were uh, taken care of by the Palestinian resistance in Gaza for the last few weeks. So this temporary truce uh, offers a way to actually settle the whole problem once and for all. On the 7th of October, the Palestinian resistance stormed into Israeli military sites with the clear goal of capturing Israeli soldiers to release Palestinian uh, um, prisoners in Israeli jails. There are more than 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. Some of them have been in jail for 40 years. One of them has been in jail for 43 years. So uh, the Palestinians from day one were very clear. They wanted to take Israeli soldiers and exchange them uh, for Palestinian mm. prisoners. Fair trade. Israel refused that. The Israeli cabinet talked big about freeing their captives, about destroying Gaza, about uh, ethnic cleansing and kicking Palestinians out of Gaza, but they couldn't achieve any of that. Eventually, 47 days of fighting resulted in Israel again accepting what the resistance wanted from day one, prisoner exchange. And it, it has been happening for the last few days, and it will continue. I mean, even if they continue fighting, um, they can fight for another one month, two months, three months. Eventually, they will come to accept the demands of the Palestinian resistance, were, which were not too much, you know. The Palestinians wanted to free their own leaders, their own people. We have thousands of Palestinian um, uh, you know, national icons in Israeli jails. Some of these are senior political figures, people uh, uh, who are members of parliament. We have, we have dozens of Palestinian members of parliament in Israeli jails. If Israel doesn't want to willingly free these people, the Palestinian resistance had no choice but to take some Israeli captives in order to free them. This is happening now. I think the fighting might resume. Uh, but uh, on the ground, more fighting doesn't necessarily guarantee you any political gain or political victory. How much can Israel bear to fight? The Palestinians, of course, are suffering, but have nothing to lose we have been besieged we have been persecuted we want freedom for our people and freedom for our nation so how long can israel go uh, in this war another two three months four months they will eventually come to realize that the whole uh, war was a mistake the whole invasion especially the ground invasion was a big mistake and of course they will start to face accountability in international courts of justice this is going to happen now, people are busy, of course, with the calls for ceasefire and so on. But after this war is over, Israel will be brought to justice. Muslim Imran, the director of uh, Asia Middle East Center for Research and Dialogue. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for clearing up the air on a lot of things that maybe the listeners um, did not know about. Even I didn't know about. Okay. So um, I hope that you all learn something that you know, social media or media, mass media as a whole did not inform you. Uh, but yeah, Muslim, uh, thank you so much for your time here. Thank you. <coughs> and uh, it goes without being said la, that I hope the best for your, for your country. And hopefully we can see an end. One day we can see an end to this genocide because I don't think it's fair to call it a war anymore because a walk is two-sided. This is clearly one party is taking more damage than the other by a mass amount. 
So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, that is all for today. Uh, my name is Mifzal Malik. Thank you so much. Um, Muslim Imran, I was very honored to be with you on this show. Thank you. <laughs>